Welcome to season four of the Navit podcast, all about money stories. We all have a unique relationship with money and an equally unique story about how that relationship made us who we are today. This season, we will be asking navigators in our community to share their tales. We hope these stories will help us all learn more about our common human experience and dig deeper into our own financial journeys. Feel free to join the conversation. If you have specific financial questions you would like people to answer, call us and leave a voicemail at 206-405-0182. We will read your questions and have them answered on this season of the podcast. We look forward to hearing from you soon. Giovanni Cardenas has been holding it down from Chi-Town to Tampa Bay. Graduated from the University of Miami and got caught up in the student loan game, but he's got no shame because he made a way. As the commissioner on the Hillsborough County Planning Commission, it is his mission to rep the bay and lead it to better days. You can find him working hard in his community as well with a number of causes, most notably the Children's Cancer Center, but he's not in it for applause. Man, his skill set is massive. Ask if he can set you up with a luxury home, commercial real estate, or a custom home. I'm accustomed to saying yes off the dome. A pleasure and a privilege to chat with you, primo. Without further ado, here we go. So today on the Navit Podcast, we are so excited to welcome Giovanni Cardenas of the Dakar Group. Welcome to the podcast, Giovanni. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, my name is Giovanni Cardenas. I'm with the Dakar Group. Um, I'll say the Dakar Group is kind of a, a combination, DA for my partner, Danielle, and CAR for Cardenas. So that's kind of where that comes from. Um, born and raised in Chicago. Uh, my family came from Colombia. Both my parents actually met in Chicago, even though they were originally from the same city in Colombia, huh. which is kind of interesting. Same um, city. Yeah, my father even recollects going to my mother's house, but never meeting her. Yeah, it's, what are the odds? Yeah, it's interesting. Was it like an age difference or? A little bit, but not that much. Yeah, a little bit, but just a couple of years. So wow. She was never around. It's, and it sounded like people were like trying to introduce them there, but they never met until they both ended up in Chicago. Oh, well, there's destiny for you. Totally yeah. meant to be, exactly. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty cool. It's pretty wow. cool. Um, so I grew up in the city of Chicago. Uh, my father was an electrician and my mother was a homemaker. She just kind of raised us. Um, I have an older brother and an older sister. Uh, they're both in Chicago. My brother's also in real estate and my sister's an actress, storyteller. Ooh. And, you know, Amazing. she kind of travels the country doing storytelling and stuff. So it's pretty cool. Nice. Yeah. yeah. But now you're in Tampa. How'd you get from Chicago to Tampa? Yeah. So fast forward. Grew up in Chicago, decided to go to college, ended up at the University of Miami. After the University mm -hmm. of Miami, went back to Chicago, had always wanted to work in law enforcement. But right when I got out of college, I went into real estate because I was mm -hmm. always interested in real estate. I kind of grew up with my dad buying a home, living in it, working on it, and then selling it. Okay. That. Not necessarily a flip, but more kind of like a three-year four-year type of flip. Right. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. So I kind of grew up around that. And my father was one of the first uh, Hispanic union electricians um, in Chicago. Cool. Wow. Yeah. So, um, you know, not a crazy yeah. shadow to live in or anything like that, you know. No, just... no, no, no. Not at all. <laughs> um, the, the Tampa part came into effect 
because I had always wanted to work in law enforcement. Mm. So around 2008, everybody knows the market kind of crashed. I was right. in the market in like 04 to like 08. Um, wow. I also wanted to work in law enforcement. So I had started the process and ended up as a contractor for Homeland Security. Oh, so, wow. Um, I was working on uh, immigration stuff and I moved to Tampa to run a program for that. Oh, and I did that for about six years. And then I left that and decided to go back into real estate. That's crazy. Like yeah. to, to be able, cause a lot of people have that fear of going from one thing to the other, you know, this fear of losing stability and things like mm-hmm. that. But, you know, time just kind of pushed you in that direction it was something you already wanted to do doing law enforcement so i was like well everything's falling apart here i probably should move anyway so yeah it was cool that you were able to 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 pivot and make that adjustment like did you enjoy it like was it what you wanted you know i'll say this uh i the law enforcement or the Mm. real estate well, I was thinking law enforcement, if that had okay. been your dream, yeah, but so, both maybe. Yeah. So I think I, ideally in my head, I had always thought that I would work in real estate for a while, learn the ropes and then go into law enforcement and still do real estate on the side. Mm. And I was thinking I would do what I loved, which was law enforcement and then make all my money in real estate. That was, right. kind of the, that was the quan, you know, that was the idea Love it. and um, kind of didn't go that way. Um for a couple reasons, I would say, you know, I had gone through the interview process with different government agencies and it just never panned out, right? Mm. Government agencies don't necessarily work the same way a regular job interview goes, right? Right. You know, it's public service positions. You end up with a name on a list. And if you get to the top of that list, that works. But then there was only one job available. So, you know, just kind of works a little differently, right? Right. Um, and then uh, with law enforcement, what I was doing is that I was a contractor for immigration. Mm. So essentially, um, I enjoyed what I did because nobody would understand the people that I dealt with more than myself because it was my culture. It was mm. the people that I understood. Right. And to me, in a way, it was something where I was helping somebody's difficult situation, not just a little bit less difficult with understanding because right. I can divide that in my language. Um, but then after a certain point, probably somewhere where I realized where I was pretty good at it was where I said, God gave me some gifts and I don't think he wanted me to use them in this. Mm. And that was kind of when I pulled the ripcord. That's wow. Yeah. That's, that's brave, man. That's brave. Like you were, you were in a, you know, a pretty good spot. You were doing well, you felt comfortable and then was like, Nah, I, I can do more and just took that leap. I... But also you let back into an industry that had kind of burned you in some right. ways. Um, yeah, you know what? I would I would definitely lead into that. Yeah, you're right. I would say, you know, when 2006, 2007, when all that hit, we got put in a pretty hard position. Mm. You, know, right? you know, we went into it um, hoping for a lot. You know, and in some things we did make a lot, but at the same time, we also lost a lot. Um, But, you know, if you don't learn from your mistakes, well, what are you going to do with the mistakes that you learned? 
So. Completely. Yeah. yeah. I, I want to get Ours. back to how you, how you got back into real estate and that kind of that second phase, but I'm curious, let's start with your money story at the beginning. So as a child, it sounds like you had, you were a child of immigrants. Um, I'm curious of like, do you have a first money memory or kind of mm-hmm. what was your first recollection of money as a child? Hmm. I don't know if I have a first money memory, but I would say, um, So kind of interesting. So I mentioned before that my sister's a storyteller and an actress, right? Mm, Well, she went to an interview to be for like a modeling thing. Mm. And I was the annoying little brother. And they were kind of like, hey, does he want to do it too? And I got into it and I kind of got pictures taken and I was doing, you know, school books and commercials and all this different stuff. Um, so in a weird way, I would almost say maybe it spoiled me a little bit because I was kind of like this little kid and I'd go on a job and get paid like $200 an hour or something like that. Um, but I, at the same time, I think when I was probably in my later teens, I, um, I kind of got annoyed with it. Right. Because I Mm. couldn't cut my hair because I, you know, had to, it had to match my pictures and right. Spoiled a little brat, to be honest. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so so I never took it anywhere. I never went anywhere. Mm. But you know, realistically, I mean, I grew up in a household where my father got up every day at you know three four in the morning to go to work, yeah. and he worked with his hands. And we didn't, you know, we didn't have a lot. Mm. And um, but but at the same time, we weren't poor. My dad made a solid living. I would say mm. uh, yeah. for you know middle middle low income i think in comparison to some okay um yeah. and, I, and i think at the same time he was fortunate enough to buy a house in an area that ended up being a great community in the future mm-hmm. you know yeah. so but so you are making money at a really young age how does that even work isn't it custodial like your parents actually have the, own the money like how does that work actually yeah they would so i still I still remember my parents, you know, like, you know, they'd let me spend some of the money. I kind of got into like racing remote control cars and stuff like that, which was kind of a little bit of an expensive hobby. (laughs) But, um, but, but at the same time, it wasn't, um, you know, I didn't do it so much where I was making, you know, a a, a solid living, you know, I I was just making more than what some kid would make, you know? Right. Um, But, you know, I, I think in a weird way, um, for me, you know, it was just, you know, just part of growing up for me, it wasn't that different. I didn't, I didn't know much different, you know? Hmm. Yeah. Did you feel like that money was yours or was it just like part of the family? Um, no, because they wouldn't give me all of the money. They'd give me part yeah. of the money. You know what I mean? Like some yeah. of the money had to go towards paying for pictures and paying for, you know, different stuff like that. So it wasn't like I was making a killing. Mm. Yeah. And so you, but you saw how money, how a job essentially could acqu- you could acquire income, but it also had to pay for expenses and a little bit of fun. I did, I did, and it, yeah, I think I did. But I, I don't, I don't. At that age, I don't think you could really have a, a strong understanding of it enough of what it right. is. Totally. Yeah, you, I, I don't think I was really developing that much of an understanding of it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, it was just I a part of life. <laughs> it was just kind of this cool thing that I was able to buy a remote control car with. Type of thing. Yeah. <laughs> So I, I I wanted to ask, like, 
as as you were making, even though it's just a little bit of money here and there, um, and you you said you did it up till you were about fourteen, um, did you ever have like conversations about money um, when you were growing up? Like, did you talk to your dad, your mom about like what was going on with money, or was it just like, no. dad's got this? <laughs> yeah, no, I I don't think we ever really. My my parents never really got into it too much with us, and 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 I'll say this, I. I re- as an adult, everything's hindsight, right? Right, of course. You know, I realize now as an adult how much we're figuring out as we're moving forward. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> and, and then, and then I, I, I think about my parents barely speaking the language, mm-hmm. being in a country that they didn't, that they were just new in, you know? Right. Yeah. And, and, and I recognize that they, 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 probably knew a quarter of what I knew, of what I, you know, just, oh, no. you know, there was times yeah. where I would translate for my parents, you know, yeah. so, you know, it, it you know, I, I think if, if anything, um, what I learned was hard work because I saw my dad work hard. Right. I don't necessarily think that I learned what money, you know, how to handle money or manage money. I learned what hard work was, which as an adult, I think was interesting because, um, for a long time, I equated hard work with how much money I made. Yeah. And as you learn about it and as you get better at it, you start to learn and realize, no, it doesn't necessarily work like that. Yeah, it's not, it's not equal exchange. It, 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 it's not an equal exchange. If you're intelligent, you can figure stuff out. You can make a lot of money without working hard. And it's not to say that, you know, you just work different. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, you just work different. Yeah. yeah. You put the hard you put the hard work into your setups, your systems, and things like that, and Correct. it it makes things look easier, even if you know the work was done on the back end. And at the same time, level of risk, level of yeah. risk, big difference. That's important too. Yeah. Why don't I elaborate on that a little bit? Like you're able to take more risk now. You know, I, I think. Kind of goes back to this situation where you go to college, you get into debt, you get out of college, and then you've got options. But how many options do you really have? You know, mm. um, you know, if I didn't get out of school owing so much debt, I probably would have joined the Peace Corps for like two years. Yes. But in my head, I was like, I owe all this money. I can't do that. You know, right, right. Um, in a way, you you take risks to try to get ahead. You know, but you you learn. And then right. you, you, yeah. learn, you learn how calculated those risks are or how calculated they aren't. Um, so yeah. I, I, it's a hard thing to do when you have, you know, when you're carrying a bunch of student loans on your back. Right. Okay, yeah. Do I take a chance and do this? And if it goes wrong, it's just going to, the whole thing's just going to be worse. Exactly. That That's, that's something else too. Um, I remember as I was reading your story, um, you know, your, your dad was in, in a union and stuff like that. And, for you, did they ever put any pressure on you to like, hey, you have to go to college, you know, you have to do this, you have to have this level job or anything like that? Was that something you felt growing up? You know, what I think is interesting is, is no, I will, I'll say no. And th- think about it. My my sister, I think they wanted that. I think there was some intentionality for us to go to college, but the intentionality was mainly for us to be happy and do better. Oh, that's you beautiful. Know, I mean, if you think about it, my sister's an actress. Yeah. And right. You know, you, know, you encourage your kid, you know, 
do a lot of parents, would they encourage their kids to be actresses? And actresses? Right. I don't know. You know, <laughs> but at the same time, you know, my sister's been an actress her whole adult life and has never worked in a job other than acting and has made a living. It's beautiful. It's yeah. kind of cool, you know. Yeah. So if only. Uh, I I think I think my parents at the same time um, just wanted the best for us, mm. but didn't necessarily know what the right direction was. Mm. You know, I, I think in a way, you know, I grew up my whole life being American, but being Colombian. And there was kind of this part of this thing where it's like, okay, I grew up here. I should know what to do. Right. I should know what to do in our society. And right. Direction. Yeah. You realize as, I mean, we, we all grew up here, so we realize it's not exactly like that. Right. <laughs> you know, we, I would say between the three of us, we have very different upbringings and different, different starting points. And it's mm-hmm. like what you have access to the knowledge your parents have, your grandparents have, you know, it definitely shapes how you grow up and your your perspective on things so yeah yeah totally yeah totally i'm curious so then what made you choose to go to college and then tell us about this student loan debt it seems to be a, a large part of your story so um when i was in high school i went to an all-boys catholic high school so <laughs> my dad made enough money to pay for that right so yeah, yeah that's intense he, he did make enough money to pay for that right and for um, all three of you or just you me and my brother but we're yeah. like we're years apart and my sister actually went to public school but better acting she, she did better than us she was smarter than us so she went to a good public school there you go <laughs> yeah, we needed we needed that the structure uh, yeah yeah we needed the structure which i think was great i think you know when i was in you know when i went in high school when i went to my guidance counselor and i said i wanted to go to college you know he said yeah your grades aren't there you should go to a trade school yeah. Wow. So, you know, for me to go to college, well, actually, I was in learning disability programs for grammar school. So I went from one, I had to get transferred from one school to another school because they had a program that I needed. And then wow. to go to high school, I had to go in through another learning disability program to get into that high school. And then to go to college, I needed to do the same thing to go to the first school I went to. And then I transferred over to the university of Miami. So I'm like an expert at like the system. (laughs) That's amazing. And you did it. Good job. Yes. Congratulations, bro. That is, that is one heck of a path. Thanks for listening to the Navit podcast. Be sure to visit navitmoney.com slash podcasts to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover other incredible money stories. What motivated you? So you said, he said that and you were like, no. Yeah. 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 So I ended up, I, you know, I had kind of always had this thought in my head that I wanted to be an attorney. Nice. Um, and I, you know, I, I thought, I thought I'd go to college. And when I looked at the debt that I'd have to get into to go somewhere like University of Miami, I thought, oh, well, I'll go into corporate law and I do really well. And, uh, you know, it'll be years to pay it off, but eventually I'll pay it off. And right. to be honest, I, I actually think that to some people, some people might, that may be their story. They may, it may have worked out for them. Right. You know? yeah. um, but at the same time for me, I don't know, at some point I kind of, I was working in the law library in, in school and I got to know a couple different attorneys 
And I just got this feeling like I was going to trade my values for something. Mm. And, you know, I just decided not to do it. So better to catch it early than to be in the middle of it with the debt and then be like, oh, I hate it here. But instead, I got the debt that you should have had from from grad school. I got it in undergrad. So, oh, man. Yeah. So I got out of undergrad with enough debt where I should probably should have other people get out of law school owing the same amount of money. Why? Just because of the university? Because it, why? Because it was an expensive school. And realistically, I, and and realistically, I probably, a lot of kids that would have gone to school there, they would have known better to not get into that debt to go to school there. Mm, Got it. Got it. Yeah, totally. So the debt helped you make decisions about what your career, what career yeah. you pursued. Yeah. Yeah, it did. I, I, it, it definitely, well, not just career, but life, you know, mm. you know, I think um, probably, you know, it makes you make decisions about relationships and getting married and having kids and waiting and, you know, all sorts of stuff. Yeah. That's, that, that's oh, really interesting yeah. too. Like <clears throat> I, I know, you know, I'm, I'm 35. I really had to think about that. Um, so I'm 35. I've been in a long-term relationship for almost 16 years at this point. And, you know, my girlfriend and I, we're child-free, you know, we just not something that we want to do, but I know a lot of my friends who want to have kids, some of them force it and then put themselves and then, you know, consequently generationally their kids in a worse financial situation. And it's like, People, I, I appreciate your approach where you're like really thinking about this. Like, nah, I, I can't do this right now. I, mm-hmm. I, I, I want this. I, it's, it's something that I, I hope to achieve, but this isn't the moment. So I think it's interesting that you thought about it because not a lot of people do. Well, you know, I, I think part of it is, is that I saw my dad work the way that he did to be able to try to work hard mm-hmm. to give us a certain type of life. And mm. I think I've wanted to do the same, mm. but you know, on the flip side, if you think about it, we are all now adults and we all remember being in high school and having friends that had kids when they were 16, yes. 17, 18. Yes. And yeah. we were like, Oh my God, you just destroyed your life and it's yeah. over. But now we're adults and we see those same friends and their kids are adults and they're out <laughs> having a great time and they're, some of my friends are doing okay you know their their life isn't their their life isn't over like i thought it would have been that's yeah that's that's true true. as a female i i can say i have a little bit of a nuanced opinion about that because uh i see so one girlfriend who got pregnant between high school like senior year and college she has four children now and same same dad but um so she's still she's still in it. She has like a ten year old. Like that is a long time of yeah, having babies. Time. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, so, but yes, you're right. That, I mean, you get that over with. And I always I always envy like young parents that, you know, they're forty and now they're free and they can go have fun and build wealth. But so has that changed? So when you say made those choices, so was it has your focus really been like I want to get this student loan debt off my books? No. For one, I, I think my focus has been one to say okay, it, it's more about managing it than it is thinking that I'm going to pay it off. You know, yeah. I'm, I want to live a life. I live a life. I enjoy my life. I have a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, and, and I wanted to always be able to do that. So I think for me, it was about 
figuring out a way to put myself in a position where I could afford it. And I can, mm. you know, as I, as I get better at what I do, one day it'll just get paid off, That's you know? Yeah. Um, but if I, you know, put everything on the sidelines and live like a hermit and right. just work towards that, not my style, I guess. Mm. Yeah, there's a balance. There's a balance. There's a balance. Nope. Yes. There's a balance. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that was that, that's been my way of going about it. Um, but I, I I do think that for everybody, it, it's just a, there's just different routes. You know, there's just different. Um, there's different things. There's different ways to go about it. Um, right. I think I think I creatively enough. Um, trust me, it's not easy to buy a house when you owe a ton of money. Right. Yeah. And you yes. don't make a lot of money on a salary job. Um, right. You know, I, I'll, I'll even put it as far to say that at points I would put it on the grace of God that was there that made certain things happen to make it connect the way that it did. Wow. Um, because only he could have done that. Um, yeah. But, you know, it's just a process, you know, it's a process of having some knowledge about something and some knowledge about something else and thinking that looks like it fits and being <laughs> confident and thinking that I could make it fit and then actually doing it. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So I'm curious as you kind of moved into adulthood, it's, you have a really special and unique story in the fact that I like what you were saying that you had the principle of being an American or think, you know, that you should know the system. And yet you had this incredibly rich cultural background and a family environment that showed hard work. I'm wondering, did you have specific money beliefs that you brought into adulthood other than maybe the work ethic that from adulthood that you had to shift? Or was it really like you felt like you learned about money on your own as an adult, just trial and error? I think I learned as an adult. Yeah. Trial and error. Yeah. 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 I, my, my, you know, I, was never, you know, we weren't raised, you know, we didn't have a ton of money to spend or anything like that. But yeah, I don't, I, I think more so I learned that as an adult, mm. which I think is, put us when your parents are working all day and they're busy yeah. and, you know, it, there's, there's not a lot of extra time for other stuff. You know? Right. Yeah. They're not exactly going to come home and be like, hey, this is how you pay bills. This is how you balance a checkbook. This is. Yeah. 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 So my, my dad, my whole life, my dad would wake up, go to work, come home around three or four, um, sleep, then wake up to read a little bit. Then he'd eat and then he'd uh, sleep some more. And that was just the same thing because he worked a lot. So, wow. Yeah, and it's like manual, hard labor. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's incredible. Scary. Thanks for listening to the Navit Podcast. Be sure to visit navitmoney.com slash podcasts to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover other incredible money stories. So, it, you know, it's it's an incredible backstory. And now as an adult, you're an entrepreneur. So I'm curious now as you, um, in the second phase, you said you left real estate and came back in. In this second phase of real estate, how have you navigated small business ownership and also kind of the new version of real estate after the 2006, 7, 8 crisis um, in, as an entrepreneur and also just kind of learning 
the system because there is a lot. The real estate, I just refinanced my house. What a pain in the derriere the whole system is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it can be. Just depends who you use. Um, you know, I so when I decided to go back into real estate, I actually called my brother and I talked to my brother about it because my brother is in real estate and he does very well. And, um, you know, I, I said, you know, I, you know, what should I do? Should I go back into flipping houses or buying properties, getting into investment stuff? And he said, well, you kind of already know how to do that. Um, why don't you try something different? And, you know, I, he, you know, so I went into more of the retail, you know, helping people buy and sell homes and targeted more so the more luxury side of it all. Um, because, you know, you, there's, there's a lot to it that I don't think a lot of people really pay attention to. So for me, I think I, when I went into helping people buy and sell homes, I'm always thinking value and I'm always thinking um, the structure, all these different things that have to do with the home. Mm -hmm. um, so when I went into it, I went into it from that per with that thought in mind, but to target more so the retail side of helping people buy and sell homes and not necessarily, you know, flipping homes. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. It's interesting. You wanted the challenge of learning something new. Yeah, I kind of do that to myself a lot. Yeah. <laughs> it means yeah. you'll never be bored in life. You'll always be learning something. I'm always taking on something different and figuring <laughs> something different out. It will put you in a very unique position, you know, as you get older and you accrue all these skills. Like, the empire that you can run is unimaginable because you'll you'll know all these pieces and parts of all of these different things. You'll know how and who to delegate to you'll know what they need to do how they need to do it you won't need to ask questions because you'll have the knowledge so i mean yeah add not such a bad thing apparently <laughs> true but do you need to be focused enough to be able to build that empire yeah you know if you're aiming a thousand different ways yeah are you you know it's it, it's it's a weird thing that i have my own little battles with gotcha uh, a tight line of Exactly. Yeah. Just not, not going too broad on doing one thing or another thing or, you know, trying to stay focused because, you know, if you're spreading yourself so thin in different directions, well, you, you know, when yeah. you're really good at something, that's when you make more at it. Yeah. Yeah. It's constantly, it's sure? a constant battle for me too. Mm -hmm. um, you, you have a partner in your business. How is, how did you find her? So um, Danielle, my partner, she worked for Lennar, uh, you know, a builder. Lennar's a huge builder. Yeah. So um, Lennar builds homes, new construction homes all over the country. And um, she worked for them as a sales agent. And, um, you know, I became friends with Danielle when she, I think we met amongst friends from church at some point or just something like that. And then she was interested in getting into general real estate. And uh, she said, hey, let's have coffee. I want to, you know, talk about general real estate. And uh, over the years, getting to know Danielle, um, she's very different than I am. You know, mm -hmm. I'm, you know, my business for the last five years has just been me, referral business, doing a lot of business with a lot of guys that I help do things, you know, help them grow their book of business. Um, wow. I'm not marketing. I was never the marketing person. I was more so the person that people I do stuff with and they refer me. All my business has always been referral based. Mm -hmm. um, and I said, well, if I ever want to grow, I need to start telling people about what I do and how I do it. And Danielle is exactly that. Danielle is a 
social media marketing awesomeness, you know, um, you know, I do very well at speaking to people in person and having a great conversation and, you know, talking about stuff, Danielle through the computer, through this stuff, that's how she talks to people. And she's amazing. at yeah. it. Nice. That's amazing. That yeah. helps with focus. Like I feel when I found my co-founder in, in this business, she compliments me, right? Like that, that's, I, I had this um, image um, in previous lives. I've seen entrepreneurs be successful and also fail. And I, you kind of, I, I had the impression that it was like a one man show. Like you have to do it all yourself, the stress level, like to your yeah. point of work life balance. Right. But actually as, as I have, endeavored to be successful in my own world, I realized, wait a minute, like I can build teams and have people that compliment me and know my weaknesses mm-hmm. and get people that have those weaknesses as strengths. And, and we can kind of build something together. It doesn't have to be mm. just me. <laughs> it's been very nice. Yeah. yeah. Teamwork makes the dream work. Yeah. Then mm-hmm. that's the hope. It's a cliche for a reason. Right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I was actually curious to ask, um, you know, you've, you've gone through a lot of things with money throughout your life. Um, a lot of ups and downs and stuff like that. And, you know, this is a constantly, uh, changing, evolving process. Um, for you now, what would you say is your approach to money? And I would say specifically when you think about money, like what is it that inspires you to get more? And what is it that you feel is kind of draining about that pursuit? I think for me, when I think about money now, I think about it in a way of um, if I think that I want something, mm-hmm. I figure out a way to create an income for it. Gotcha. So, you know, for me, thinking about having a family, you know, I'm, you know, especially with real estate, real estate is a business where you sell a home today and you get paid. Right. You got to go and find another client and sell another one to get yeah. paid again. Right. Yeah. yeah. You build a pipeline and over time it kind of flows and it works and you kind of have this consistent thing. And, you know, you, you, you get to a point where, you know, maybe you're not working with somebody, but then somebody that you've already worked with calls you and it's just an easy transaction. Right. You build that relationship, you have that, but, uh, but it's still not always there. It's not mm-hmm. consistent, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in some ways it is, in some ways it isn't. So I think for me now, when I think about stuff, you know, um, I want to build it before, I want to build a way to have it and be consistent right. before I am, before I have it, you know? Right. Um, I don't, you know, when I think about buying a car, you know, I'm paying a car off. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> in the car and having a note. No more right. debt. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, so that's kind of my way of going about it. Nice. No, I, I, I definitely dig that. I think a lot of people, you specifically mentioned, um, you know, buying a car. A lot of people think of, okay, here's the price of the car. They don't consider the interest. They don't consider like how that can build on you and end up having a bigger cost than you originally planned yeah. for. So, but it, it hinders you, you know, we've got so many kids that are just getting out of college or in high school and they want a car and they go in to buy a car and now they're going to make a payment on their car. Right. Are you supposed to make it a payment on a car or going to school? Are you supposed to be yeah. making a payment on a car or working, you know? And, right. Yeah. You know, well. you know, you, you tie yourself into this whole system where you're just, you're just churning and it's just. Totally. Never lie. Exactly, yeah, exactly. <laughs> 
So, you know, Caitlin, uh, our wonderful senior community manager, uh, referred you to us because I think you all are in Florida together. Mm -hmm. And she said, we have to ask you, do you have any tips for people thinking about real estate investment and um, maybe first time home buying? Is there anything that they can do to set themselves up for success? Yeah. um, You know, the easiest thing that I can think of when it comes to real estate to me is... um, work with somebody who knows what they're doing. Don't work with your uncle because he's your uncle. Don't work with your best friend's brother because it's your best friend's brother. You know, find somebody who knows what they're doing that takes their time with you. There's a lot of people in this business that do a ton of marketing. They don't know anything. They do a lot of business, but are they really caring about what you're buying? Are they yeah. taking you to home, telling you the good things and the bad things? Or are they just saying, do you like this home or do you not like this home? Yeah. Ooh. Real estate is, is an industry that I think, you know, most people think, oh, I'm going to go buy a house. Well, that person's just going to help me buy a house. That person can help me buy a house just how that person can help me buy a house. And that is not the truth. You know? I can't agree more. Like, so when I went to, so this home that I just refi is my first purchase. I had lived abroad for a really long time. So I was coming in and I had never knew anything about real estate. And I now have so many things that I would have told that person, that self of mine, as I bought, you know, older houses versus newer houses. Neighbor, I mean, I knew something enough about neighborhoods, but there's just so, there's so many details that a first time home buyer just doesn't inherently know. And the hope is that the person you work with understands Mm -hmm. that and is willing to educate you as well as help you buy the home. Right. So before we had our meeting, before we had our call, um, I was set. I was going to be home early and I was going to be here and be waiting for you guys and be ready to do this. And uh, Danielle, my partner, is out showing some clients of ours that are first-time home buyers uh, that are buying a home. And um, they were going to go see a particular home that just from the pictures I could tell that they were going to love it. But at the same time, it was an older home. It was a kind of a historic home. Yeah. And I'm not against historic homes. Historic homes, if it's been up 100 years, it's going to be reason. You know what I mean? It's, if it was done right and it it's been taken care of correctly, it's going to keep standing for a while longer, you know? Yeah. Um, but at the same time, it could be a really big headache, you know? Yes. So, you know, they scheduled that for 5.30. So I was like, damn it. And... I had to go see it because I wanted to be sure and know the quality of it and what it was before they just went and took a look at it because, you know, it's my client and I want to make sure that they're buying something that's good for them. Not just something that, that is going to close. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're not getting that vibe from whoever you're working (laughs) with, get out. Like, (laughs) yeah. And ask the questions. And if they're not answering you, that will give you the vibe if you need you need to be good point that's amazing well Kenneth shall we do the quick takes our favorite yes Yes. I love this part okay all right I love eating I love cooking I love food so it is very important to me to know do you prefer cooking in or eating out he's a bachelor so we already know something about his life (laughs) all right I have been in different times in my life. There was a time in my life where I enjoyed cooking it. Now I'm at a time in my life where I enjoy eating it. 
Yeah. <laughs> Everything is circular, though, so I'm probably guessing that I'm going to go back to a time in my life where I'm going to enjoy cooking it. Again. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> Good answer. Okay, okay. What you got, Aaron? Okay. Would you rather – these are would you rather. So would you rather um, uh, watch Netflix or Hulu? I appreciate the creativity that Netflix puts into its stuff. Netflix. Uh-huh. Yeah. My, that's my solid too. Yeah. Agree. Yeah. yeah. No, nah, their original programming is, it's pretty solid. And their, <laughs> the, um, the international, the diversity. I've been watching yeah. Korean. I've been watching Spanish. Well, they just, you know, I, I feel like they're a platform that are allowing so many people to do so much more than what they other, otherwise would have been able to do. Yeah. Be creative. Good point. Completely. You know, they're, they don't need to be backed before. That's a whole other conversation. <laughs> you know what Absolutely. I'm saying? <laughs> right, right, right. Um, all right. Um, I'm going I'm to get one more before we get to the question. The big one, yes. Right. Okay. okay. Um, so now you you live in Tampa now. You grew up in Chicago. Um, where do you prefer? Are you more northerner or southerner? Tampa. Oh, okay. Wait, that no hesitation. Not even a question. No <laughs> Why? Um, we enjoy our lives full, full, all year round. We enjoy our lives here. Yeah. You know, right. I didn't, I didn't realize what I was missing. I didn't realize so many things until I was here. Right? Mm. You know, you, your norm is your norm. Right? right. You know, I grew up in the city of Chicago. Um, I grew up. By the way, I was a criminology major, sociology. Learning about society, oh, yes. how society functions, yeah. um, why people do the things that they do, and stuff like that. Mm, well, yeah. you know, you in a lot of those cities, they're old cities. There's a lot mm -hmm. of roots there. Right. Mm -hmm. This line on this line, it's my neighborhood. On that line, it's your neighborhood. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, you go to the gas station. You're getting gas, and you don't know who's going to come get gas next to you, and what they're yeah. going to, how they're going to look at you and how they're not. And realistically, that doesn't exist here. Wow. Our cities oh, are newer. They're younger cities. They're, mm -hmm. they're run differently. The, the society is just a bit different. And um, that same guy is like, hey, I hope you're having a nice day. Yeah, so, it's lovely. Kind of I've, weird. I've kind never heard, weird. I've never heard things compared that way before. But Come like, down and hang out and I'll. <laughs> Everybody wants me to go to Florida. I have like a, a friend I grew up with who's down there. I have family down there. My aunt, my cousin, like everybody wants me to go to Florida. I'm, I'm going to have to. Oh. So, so Tampa is the Midwest of Florida. You look at 75, well, like 75 nice, comes yeah. down the whole, the whole country. It comes right down the middle. And 95 yeah. goes down the other, other side. Uh -huh. Miami is distinctly different than Tampa. I, I only imagine. know Miami. Yeah. Right. I don't, I don't know Tampa. Yeah. You know, one thing I also, so I'm from the West Coast and we have a, we don't have that kind of structural line. We, we, they were total assholes to minorities. So we don't have mm -hmm. great minority representation, let's be honest. But we don't have that kind of, this is my neighborhood. This is your neighborhood. Like our really? roots are different. Yeah. But what I see in Florida is that you guys have the weather that makes life so much more pleasant <laughs> because you can live outside and you could do things all year round. It, it really, it, I'm telling you, it's it just, it makes a weird difference that I, I still have not been able to put you know, be able to figure out exactly what it is. Mm. Um, yeah. 
you know, I, and I'm not talking about politics at all. It's just different. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's just different. Okay. Outdoor living. I love it. Okay. Can I do the, here's the last big one. Ready? You got it. Okay. All right. Would you rather have a million dollars given to you or $50 million, but have a mime permanently following you? It's a good one. <laughs> I've got to ask questions about the mind to really... exactly. right, yeah. right. Let's like see. I'm not, I'm kind of all right, you know. Like from a, like, what kind of distance? Always has to be in the same room. I, I feel like you could probably negotiate that. I mean, I have fifty million dollars. Right, you might be able to figure something out. Yeah, he could, he <laughs> maybe could pay him off. Room. Just pay him off. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go with the fifty because worst comes to worst, I give him forty nine and still end up with a million. There you go. And he goes magically away. Love it. Love it. <laughs> Good answer. Might be the best answer yet. Yeah, that's a great one. <laughs> Excellent. Well, Giovanni, it's been such a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Can you tell our listeners where to find you? You can find me at www.thedecargroup.com or 773-733-2320. Nice. You're giving out the phone numbers. I love yeah. it. Just call me. Get that business. I love it. Yes, exactly. Your partner will be very proud of you for doing that. (laughs) Excellent. Well, thank you for telling us your money story. I feel like I learned something and I feel like you really have overcome a lot of different interesting challenges and are showing us what navigating money is all about. So thank you. Thank you so much. I hope I was able to give you guys what you were looking for and um, always ask questions and always try to figure it out. Definitely. Maybe I'll go, when I sell Navit, I'll come buy some real estate in Tampa. How does that sound? Give me a call. You should. (laughs) I help you sell Navit and, you know, not pay any capital gains tax if you put into a certain type of area. See, you see There you go. See, just had to have that conversation. There you go. (laughs) And life is better in Tampa. So, Uh (laughs) Excellent. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Nabbit Podcast, where we share money stories. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to like and subscribe and share this episode with your friends. See you on the next episode.